0: This is the Christian Life Center podcast. Here at CLC, we are messengers of hope, where we believe in taking God's message of hope everywhere we go to everyone we meet. From wherever you are, be encouraged by this week's message. Are you ready to get into the Word? Man, we have been having a powerful spiritual growth campaign i say it every year and i just feel it even this year is that this has been our best spiritual growth campaign and i just want to say a huge thank you to our life group department pastor christian and his team and all of our pastors and staff that helped to develop this year we wrote this as a staff and uh, pastor christian led that team can we just let them know how much we thank them our spiritual growth campaign, now don't give up, we only have two more weeks, so keep pressing. If you're working out, this is that tough part of a workout where you push through, but this is the growth period right here as you, uh, as you push through. Continue reading your devotional book continue journaling, continue watching the daily devotions. You have a few more weeks of the life group. I've been hearing phenomenal results and uh, just uh, feedback from all of the discussions that are happening uh, in the small group, in the life group. We're so excited and we need your help. In just a couple weeks, we are concluding the spiritual growth campaign with our light the night. It's our way to love our community, to serve our community, and we need your help. We need about 800 volunteers that night. So you see behind me the QR code, the link for those who are online. You see it right now. Will you sign up, be a part of the work team, the dream team that night? Well, we're going to jump right into the Word. We've been looking at how to be established in Christ. We've been looking at the key elements of what it takes To live a new life, a new way of living established in the Lord. This scripture caught me this week as we begin uh, the message. It's in Ephesians chapter 5. Look with me in your outline or in your Bibles on the screen. We have the scripture in several places. Take notes today. You will want to take notes of this message as we talk about aligning to the will of God. Ephesians 5.8, for you were once darkness that means you were once spiritually blinded you had no purpose or real meaning in life your spirit was dead you were once darkness not in darkness you were darkness that's important you were once darkness but now say but now I am light now You are light in the Lord. Therefore, live as children of light. Then he gives a little uh, context. For the fruit of light consists in all goodness. The fruit of light consists in righteousness and in truth. And he says, find out what pleases the Lord. Father, today as we look into your word, A very powerful anointed word today. I pray God that you will teach us, show us, and help us to embrace walking in the will of God. Finding out what pleases you, oh God. That we would honor and praise you and glorify you in everything. And today through the word, illuminate how we can be aligned to the perfect will of God. Of God, And all God's people said, amen and amen. One more time, give him praise. Hallelujah. We've been talking about how to be established. Being established is a work of transformation. That transformation begins on the inside, in the very essence of your being, in the core of who you are. It's what God begins to do inside. What you are inside will begin to flow outside. We've been looking at what makes up the soul, your thoughts, your emotions, your will makes up the soul, the core of who you are. Our memory verse today, and I hope that you've been memorizing our memory verses. Our memory verse today is Matthew sixteen twenty six. I'd like for you to read it aloud with me. And as we read it together, when you're memorizing, always start by quoting the scripture reference. Then as you begin to to read through or quote that which you've memorized, then end again with the scripture reference. So let's say it together. Matthew 16, 26. What good will it be for someone to gain the whole world yet forfeit their soul? Or what can anyone give in exchange for their soul? Matthew 16, 26. Let's do it one more time, and I'm going to start it, but then I want to hear you finish it. Here we go. Matthew 16, 26. What good... Matthew sixteen 26. Isn't that powerful, the Word of God? That's our memory verse. And as we're looking at our memory verse, I just want to remind you that we've been looking at over the last few weeks, what makes up your soul. What would forfeit, uh, you know, you'll gain the whole world, yet forfeit your soul. Your soul, we've been looking at, is made up of your mind, your heart, your emotions, and your will. Your will is your choices, that which you embrace, that which you decide to do. It makes up the very core of who you are. And we've been referring to that as your soul. Your mind in review is the thoughts in the opinions. It's your thought life. Philippians 2.2. We've been repeating over and over that you and I should have the same mind as Christ that we should be like-minded. I like it that way. Like-minded, like Christ. That should be what you and I are in the essence of our thoughts, that we think like Christ. When I'm thinking like Christ, I have the mind of Christ. I adopt the state of his mind. And therefore, I pursue and I desire to think the way Christ would think. And therefore, it will impact my emotions and my will, my choices, because it started with my thoughts. What happens inward always will flow outward. Can I hear an amen? That which I think will impact what I feel, my emotions, my feelings and my feelings when they're yielded or submitted to Christ will influence my choices towards righteousness. It impacts the way uh, I, 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 I see things, how I feel things, and then what I begin to do. So being like Christ means that I move from not only believing, but to doing. Let me say it again, because it's a problem for many believers. They believe, but they don't do. James would say, you hear, you listen, but you don't practice. You don't walk in it. You don't walk in a life of obedience. So what I believe has got to impact what I do. And therefore, when I begin to understand this process, I can be established and there is a new way of living. Last week, we began to look at the submitted will, a a will that is surrendered to the Lord. One of the things that we, uh, we, we looked at and began to really unpack a little bit was that the disciplines of the faith, this is powerful. The disciplines of the faith enable you to keep your will submitted to the Lord. How do you get victory from the thoughts to the emotions to the decisions that you will make is a submitted will. And the way to keep submitting that will under the authority of the Lord Jesus Christ is what we call the disciplines of the faith. Key disciplines being prayer, scripture reading, fasting. Fasting is not just an event that we do as a corporate church, but it's a lifestyle of what I live week after week or month after month. All of these things and other disciplines of the faith keep my will submitted. Now, it won't be in your notebooks, but for all of my life group leaders, talk about this week Talk about what are disciplines in the faith because disciplines in the faith keeps your will submitted and it enables you to surrender and therefore begin to walk in what God would have you to. Our soul, that's what we're talking about, our soul almost operates totally outside of our conscious awareness. Why are we talking about this? Is because consciously it's operating and often we don't even realize how it's operating. It's much like the solar system is holding everything in place. Your soul is what makes you up, makes up the essence of who you are and it kind of holds everything together. So this series has been a series and looking at a progression, the transformation of thoughts, that begins to impact my emotions. If I submit my will to him, there is a surrendered yield, a yielded will. It will impact my decisions. Last week, right at the very end, we briefly touched and, and brushed over. A submitted will will come into alignment to the will of God. If your will is not submitted, your thoughts are gonna be distorted. They're not going to be true, true, genuine, biblical, righteous thoughts. It will impact your emotions. If you don't yield your will, you will make decisions that are out of alignment to the plans and purposes of God. Are you with me today? This is a good message. I just gotta tell you, it's a good word today. I don't need an amen. I'm going to just tell you up front. It's a good message today, but I want you to get it because it's powerful. This progression, the progression of being established, my thoughts influence my emotions. If I don't submit the will, I will make ungodly choices. But if I submit the will, and the best way to submit your will is through the what? The disciplines of The faith. So when my will is submitted, now my decisions and choices are godly. And by the way, a submitted will is a daily commitment, not just weekly, daily. Daily, we pick up our cross and we follow Him. When we submit the will, now there's godly decisions, godly choices, and in those godly decisions and choices that are coming out of a submitted will, now we can begin to walk in the will of God. We can begin to honor God. We can live righteously. Those godly decisions and choices begin to align us to God's will. Now, people have often asked me, Pastor, what does it mean, What does it mean really to be in God's will? What is God's will? We have a will. We have a desire. And sometimes in the thoughts to the emotions to the walking out God's will, there is somewhere in there our carnality that begins to influence the decisions that we will make. And so if I were to give you a definition today of a godly choice or walking in God's will, I would say this. I would give you this definition. The decision that I, I, Tom, you, whatever your name is, the, the the direction that you or I would choose for our life if we could see things from God's perspective. So if I could truly see God's perspective, God's decision, God's desire, and I can then walk in that way because I have a submitted will, now I walk in that way, I will be in the center of God's will. Can I get an agreement in the house? I love here in the scripture that we have for you, when we begin to understand God's will, in Matthew 25 and verse 12, it says this, who are those who fear the Lord? He will show, if you fear the Lord, in Psalm 25 and verse 12, if you will fear the Lord, The Lord will show you the path that you should what? Choose. If you fear the Lord, he will show you the path. If you submit, he will show you the path that you should go. And you will live in what? Prosperity. Somehow in our thoughts and our emotions, we think our way is a better way. But the psalmist tells us long ago that if our thoughts align to our emotions and our will is submitted, the Lord will show us the path to go and that path will bring prosperity in your life. But somehow I think that I can make it on my own. Somehow I think my way is a better way. Somehow I think God doesn't care or maybe God doesn't even know, or I know he knows, but he's really not interested in me. There's others that have greater issues and needs than I have. And so I've got to make it happen. And the reality is the Psalmist says, no, if you fear the Lord, he will show you the path to take and you will live in prosperity. And your children will inherit the land. They will walk in your prosperity when you yield and submit and walk in the ways of the Lord. Can someone just say amen? Amen. The Lord is a friend to those who what fear him. And he touches them with his covenant. So if I could help you to understand the will of God is that God wants to guide you. Psalmist says he wants to guide you, he wants to lead you and aligning to the will of God will help you to understand that you're yoking up with him and he's going to carry the weight with you, you're submitting to Christ, in fact, in Matthew chapter 11 and verse 28, it talks about being yoked together. Matthew eleven twenty eight that, that that you will be yoked with him. A yoke was a, a wooden bar that fit over the neck of two ox. And those two ox then would begin to move in the same direction at the command of the farmer. And they were attached to some kind of instrument that would be tilling up the, the earth as they carried their load. Well, what the Lord is saying in Matthew 11, verse 28, is that he wants to guide you and his yoke is easy, his burden is light and therefore I'm not carrying it alone, he's carrying it with me. Can I get an agreement? Now he's not carrying it for you he's carrying it with you and as he carries the yoke your burden, your weight your worry, that struggle that you've been wrestling with, that relational conflict that you've been in he won't carry it for you but he'll carry it with you because you're yoked with him and therefore his strength will guide you and carry you and when I'm weak, thank the Lord that his spirit is there and he carries it with me and he pulls me through how many of us have been weak in our spiritual walk and journey, but man, we were yoked up to the master and to the savior. We were, man, we were yoked up to the power of the Holy Spirit and man, in that he guided us and he led us and he carried us through. Give him praise. You see, when you understand the will of God you got to understand that God will guide you. Secondly, I want you to understand in Romans chapter 12 in verse two, Paul says, don't copy the behavior in the customs of this world. Message Bible says it, don't get squeezed in to the mold of this world, but let God transform you into a new person. How? By changing the way you think. We looked at this verse a few weeks ago that as he changes the way you think, then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing, amen. It's good and it's pleasing. It's his perfect will for you and I, and you then will learn to know what God's will is, and you know that it's a good, pleasing and perfect will. The second thing about God's will I want you to know is that God's will is good, it's perfect, it's, uh, it's, it's going to be exactly what you and I need in our life. A third thought that I want you to know is that there is a general will, the will of God, that hits all of us. The general will of God impacts everyone that's in this room. The general will of God will be something that every one of us, God has told us what his will is and what his plans are for us. First Thessalonians 5.18, it's not on the screen, but it says, be thankful in all circumstances. Why? For this is God's will for you who belong to Christ Jesus. Now, is that something for everybody? So turn to somebody and it says, turn to him say, be thankful in all circumstances. Why is it God's will for you? In 1 Thessalonians 4, 3, we're talking about God's general will for all believers. 1 Thessalonians 4, 3, God's will is for you to be holy, to be Holy. Man, today we've cried out for the holiness of God. We cried out in repentance to make us holy like you're holy. He's already holy, but God make me holy like you are holy. That's God's will that we are holy. So stay away. It's interesting he mentions one sin here. Stay away from sexual sin. Sexual sin is an inward sin that will bind you and bind you up and and it'll lead you into guilt, shame, and condemnation. So it's God's will that we are holy. Therefore, we stay away from sexual sin. Ephesians 5, 17, still not on the screen, but God's general will, it says, don't act thoughtlessly, but understand what the Lord wants you to do. And then Paul goes on to say, God wants you to be, filled with the Holy Spirit. He wants you to walk in the power of the Spirit. He wants you to be filled with the Spirit. One thing that happened this morning in our worship is that we were stirring up the prophetic and we were receiving an infilling of the Holy Spirit where the world has has caused maybe the, 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 the things of the Spirit to flow out of us. Today, there was an infilling, a fresh infilling of the Holy Spirit. Did you feel it today? I mean, it was like the Holy Spirit was just pouring out his grace and his comfort and his strength and his power and his wisdom over us. And we were like vessels just being filled in the Spirit today. Amen. He says, be filled with the Holy Spirit. Then he says, when you're filled with the Holy Spirit, you're going to sing psalms. You're going to sing hymns. We did that you're gonna sing spiritual songs, we did that, you're gonna sing among yourselves, you're you're gonna make music to the Lord, that means that, (laughs) that's my verse right there, you're just gonna make music to the Lord, others don't want to hear it, but it's all for God, because I can't sing, but I'm making music to the Lord, all of it is God's will, and therefore that's all of us, and give thanks for everything to God the Father in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, that is God's General will. But then there is God's specific will for you personally, for me personally. In Psalm 32, the Lord says, I will guide you. I'll guide you along the best pathway for your life. I will advise you and I will watch over you. This is God's specific will. Do not... Do not, do not, um, uh, do not be like a senseless horse or a mule that needs a bit and a bridle to keep it under control. God's specific will. He will guide you. He will lead you. Psalm sixteen nine. We should make plans counting on God to... Direct us. James 1.5. If we lack wisdom, if we need wisdom, we can ask God who knows. And when we ask him, he will gladly tell us. And he doesn't resent you and I asking. He wants to lead you, excuse me, specifically. So the question then, pastor, is how does that happen? The general will of God we can find in the word of God to know what God's will is for all of us as believers and as a church, we can find it. But when it comes to my my personal decisions, should I go to this college or to that college? Should I marry this individual or... (laughs) (laughs) Just caught myself. (laughs) Should I marry this? And maybe you got multiple choices, I don't know. (laughs) But should I marry, I mean, I can remember those days, God, God. I mean, it was like, God, please, please. It was more, Lord, let this be, especially when I met Pastor Candy, please, Lord, let this be, <laughs> let this be. You know, is this God specific? Well, this job, that job, this career, what should this church, that church? What, what and how do I know and how do I align to God's will? Now, I'm gonna give you a, a few simple thoughts. I know our time's slipping away and, and, uh, and I wanna make sure that I deliver this word to you. We do have a school of discipleship graduation at the very end, so I want to make sure that we save time, but this is very important for us to know how to align to God's will. The first thing I would say to you, and Pastor Candy kind of led it and, and, and guided us into some thoughts here, but the most important tool, most important tool to align yourself to the will of God is what I call the Word of God. And so I've got to apply God's word to my life. If I don't know the word, I'm not going to be in the will of God. I'm going to be led by my thoughts and my emotions. But when I learn the word, and that's what you're doing today, when you learn the word, you can apply the word to your life, you may want to circle apply to my life. What am I applying? The word of God. The Bible contains everything that you and I need to accomplish God's purposes and God's will in our life. It's a road map. It's something that guides us. I remember years ago, maybe some of you are, are old enough to remember when, when your maps, your directions was not on your phone. How many remember that? I remember when we used to have to have like real maps. Anybody remember that? You were taking a trip and you had a real map. Now, now uh, we were new missionaries in Europe and uh, we were taking a trip up into Poland. We were going to a missionary retreat. We did not have cell phones. We did not have... I know some of you are like, really? There was a day that you didn't have that? Yes, there was a day. You didn't have maps. You couldn't say, I better not say her name or everybody's phone will respond, right? You know, as soon as I say the, I better not say it. (laughs) And as I I would try to uh, get directions, we would pull this map out. And we were going to Poland. Now, we were coming from Austria, so we were coming from German to Polish. Now, I don't know if you've ever seen Polish words, but Polish words are like a foot long. I mean, they are so long. They have so many consonants in them. I mean, and every street sign, every street sign was a Polish word. Now, the problem is Polish words and English interpretation of Polish words are not the same letters. So we get on a trip going several, several hours deep, deep, deep into the heart of Poland. And as I'm looking at the map, my English map, of Polish words are not lining up to the signs that are directing me out in the middle of nowhere. Papa Bill and and Louise were with us. We were going to a missionary trip, and about every you know, <laughs> about every fifteen minutes, I'd have to stop. And Bill and I would get out, and and I'd pull that map out, and and we'd look at that sign, and I'd say, Bill, I, I really don't know where we're going. I, I I'm I'm like really really lost. And, and so then I'm looking at the map and I'm like, okay, where we're going is like up here around this mountain. Maybe we just keep driving this way. Let's just keep driving that way. And somehow we found our way to where we were going. I, it was God. It was the fire by night, and the, you know, fire by whatever it was, pillar by day, fire by night. I mean, somehow the Spirit led us. I don't know how it happened, but it was on those old maps. How many had old maps you ever got lost on, right? Well, the Bible... Is a perfect guide. And when you look at it, you're not gonna have a translation problem if you really know the Word of God. Then, Pastor Kevin, coming into your era, uh, there were the old GPSs. They were the old devices. How many remember that one? You know, you'd spend four or $500, and now you had a personal map in your car and you could plug in where you wanted to go. How many remember those, you know? I I had a couple of those and and, uh, I remember the first time I began to learn to use my GPS, uh, I gotta be honest, I I didn't quite trust it. I was still used to a map. I didn't quite trust the GPS and, and I had to learn how to trust the GPS system. But then I got to Zurich and I didn't pay for the download for the new maps in Zurich. Now, this is a long time ago. I mean, you young people, you have it made now. I mean, this is a long time ago. I didn't download those maps. And so my GPS for two hours kept taking me in circles in downtown Zurich. I mean, I just kept going, you know, and I had Mark Perky, missionary, uh, was with us, we were going to a revival, I mean, and it just kept, for two hours, I'm not exaggerating, we just kept circling Zurich, it just kept taking me back, finally, (laughs) I I stopped at a gas station, and guess what I did? I bought a map, (laughs) bought one of those maps, and and now we got to where we were going, but I had to learn to trust the GPS. I had to learn to listen that that you're going to take a right. Even though I felt like I shouldn't be taking a right, that I should be going straight. I had to learn to take a right. And how many times have we all, have we all not been paying attention to the GPS to our our maps on our phone and we miss a turn, right? And we we don't follow the way we should follow and we don't really do what the GPS system is telling us to do. If we're not careful, we can miss what God has for us. So how does that relate? Is pastor, what does it mean for me I would say, you, we've got to learn to apply the word. It's the GPS, it's the guidance. As I learn to trust it, as I know it, as I learn to do it, as I learn that it's a living, active word. It's the primary way that God speaks to you and I, it's through his word. 2 Timothy, 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 16 says it this way. The whole Bible, how much of the Bible? The whole Bible was given to us by inspiration, inspiration from God. And it's useful to teach us, to teach us what? What is true and to make us realize what is wrong in our lives. I love that. It's sharper than a two-edged sword. It teaches, but also it shows and reveals and makes me realize what must be changed. It's God's way of making us well-prepared at every point in our lives. This is what I want you to remember before we move on to the next thought, is that God's word will never, contradict God's will, and God will never contradict his word. So if you're feeling something, thinking something, wanting to do something, and God's word in the general sense of knowing the will of God is clear on that, it becomes the guide rails and the guidelines for you and I. He will never, God will never violate anything in the word. Therefore, we cannot ignore something just because we don't want to believe it or because society has accepted something else. We've got to know that he is consistent and his word will never pass away. And therefore, we can follow it and know that he will lead us for his word is a lamp unto our feet and it's a light to our path. Can I hear an amen? The second thing, if I want to be in the will of God and aligned to the will of God, I've got to ask the question, will this decision lead me? Is it leading me towards Christ-likeness? Will I be more like Christ? What I think I should do, what I'm feeling, is this what God would want in my life? I read a little while ago, Philippians 2, five. if your lives, in your lives, if you want to think and be like Christ you've got to think and act like Christ and therefore every decision that we're making the goal is Christ likeness that's the greatest goal in our life Christ likeness means that my character my life everything is going to be like Christ i'm going to think like him i'm going to act like him i'm going to believe like him i'm going to do what Christ would do and therefore as i know the word it helps me to become more like Can I get an amen in the house? I'm becoming like him. So if God in his word says, don't do this, then it guides me. I know that that's what God wants. If I'm going to make a decision and I'm going to do something and that decision is, is a decision that's moving me out of what I know Christ would do or the ways of Christ, then I must challenge that decision. Now, God not only uses his word to help me move into Christ-likeness, but God also uses pastors and and teachers and authors and, 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 and resources that authors write. He uses these things to help me become more like his son. The greatest goal is to be like Christ. And and so in a sermon, in a life group, in a class, in a book that an author has written, all of these things that godly people have written, God has given to us to help us to become more like Christ. And as I listen, and as I think about, and as I apply, and as I begin to say, God, help me to imply it or, or implement it in my own life, it's leading towards the goal of Christ's likeness. Paul said it this way. 1 Thessalonians 2.13. Paul said, when we, when I preached to you, you didn't think of the words as being just our own words, but you accepted it as the very word of God. And Paul said, which of course it was. And it changed you. Paul says to the Thessalonians, he says, You believed it. I believe it. It was the word of God. And when you listen, and when you receive it, and when you apply it, it changes your life. Amen. You See, God knows where you're at in your life. God knows that you're going to be here today. God knows what you needed to hear. He knows what I needed to say. He knows what I need to skip and what needs to be thought, uh, what what needs to be processed in our thoughts. God, through the week, I mean, my main prayer all week long is God, give me the thoughts, the thoughts that are from you, oh God, that God, you would want communicated and spoken to those that are going to be hearing it. I can guarantee you every life group leader is praying that. Every teacher should be praying that. Every pastor is praying that. Every leader is saying, God, not my words, but your words so that your will can be done. So many times it happened last week in the lobby. Somebody will come up and says, pastor, I mean, it's like you're reading my email. It's, it's, it's like, not, and I said, no, I don't have an email. I got a camera in your house. I mean." I'm listening. No, and you know, the reality is it feels like that, but that's how the Holy Spirit works. It's like I've cloned your email and I'm getting it so that I can preach just for you, but that's not me. It's God speaking through me to you so that it will change you and you can do what God wants you to do. Paul says to the church of Corinth, Paul says, we do not speak in words taught by human wisdom. No, it's... It's in words taught by the Spirit as we explain spiritual truths. Every week, my desire is to say, God, help me to explain your wisdom, your word, your principles in ways that enables us to live it out in our lives. So God uses pastors and teachers and books written by godly men and women. But God, thirdly, will also use painful circumstances and experiences in your life. When you go through a difficulty, when, you, when you've had painful things happen, In the middle of a storm, in the weight of a decision, in the moment of a conflict, can I tell you that in that painful experience, God is speaking to you. In the fire, if you will look to him, he will rescue you. In the middle of the storm, if you call out to him, he will be the one that will come by his spirit and will uphold you where you will not drown or you will not burn. It's in the fire that you hear the gentle nudges of God. It's in the fire that sometimes it's not the gentle nudge, it's the shout of God for the work of what God wants to do in your life. In fact, in the scripture, it says this, Proverbs 20, verse 13, sometimes it takes painful experiences to make us change our ways. And can we say amen to that? The third thought, and boy, (laughs) this one is very important, and a lot of people try to ignore this one, and that is, do others in the body of Christ confirm it? The decision you want to make, what you're wanting to do, what you think is right, do others in the body of Christ confirm it? You see, this is what I know. If you're trying to hide a decision, there's a reason. If you're hiding it from your parents, there's a reason. If you're hiding it from your friends, say it with me. There's a reason. If you're hiding it from your wife, I thought I would get more women on that one, but... If you're hiding it from your husband, there's a reason. If you're hiding it from your spiritual leaders, and you've gotta ask the question, why? Why are you hiding that decision? I watched so many people mess up their lives because they live or lived without any accountability in their life. They didn't have support. They don't have confirmation. They don't have counsel. They don't have guidance. Proverbs 11.9 says it this way. Proverbs 11.9, the wisdom of the righteous can save you. So the question is, have you checked it with others? Other spiritual leaders? No, no, and I'm not, not talking about the ungodly. I'm not even talking about an ungodly therapist. No, 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 no. I'm talking about the godly. Have you taken it to the godly? People that love you, care for you, know the word of God that can help you in your thoughts and in your emotions as you're trying to align a decision to the will of God. If people do this, I can tell you so many things that go wrong won't go wrong. But many don't do it because they don't want the pushback. They don't want someone to disagree with them. What they think and what they feel is what they wanna do. And they're trying to convince God that this is what is right. And so they don't ask anybody else around them because they don't want anybody to say, whoa, pump the brake, I don't know. We better pray on this one. We better fast a little (laughs) bit, fast, no way. This is what God wants, I know. Did you fast on it? You're making a major decision for your life, for your children, for your family. Did you fast about it? Have you really prayed about it? Have you really talked to somebody that can help you to process it? The answer is really no. Why? Is that's because that's what they think and that's what they feel and that's what they wanna do. And can I tell you, it's what's binding the church because they don't get into the will That's why you gotta be connected. That's why life groups are important. That's why you're on serving teams. That's why you have godly friends. Do we have a mission to the world? Yes, but your godly friends is what helps you to live out a godly, righteous life. Godliness. Proverbs 27, Proverbs 27 and verse 17, people learn from one another just as iron Sharpens iron. The next point I'm not going to be able to cover in depth, so I'm going to just give you the key. I'm not going to unpack it because there's a lot to it. It's a sermon by itself, really. Is does it require my faithfulness to follow? You see, to get into the will of God is the submitting of the will, and, and at this point, The aligning to the will of God and the walking in obedience and a godly decision will require faithfulness. And there are so many barriers to being faithful. We have the world system, the values of this world, the things of this world, the things that are pulling us. And therefore, why are we talking about how to be established? Is it requires a new mindset. I'm learning a new mindset so that I have the same mindset of the Lord Jesus Christ. Another barrier that's in the world and is holding me back from being faithful is the deception of the world. And the deception is growing greater and greater. Therefore, it requires radical, I can't even hardly say this next word. Say it with me. Renunciation. Let me give you an easier word for me. And I renounce the things of the world. I renounce the things that are pulling me and and those things that are coming upon me. The deception of the world. Why do I stay submitted in my will? It's because of the values of the world. They're like tentacles that are wrapping around you and I. And it's squeezing us and hindering us from really walking in the will of God. So I renounce, uh, I radically renounce the things of this world so that I can be in the will of God. And thirdly, faithfulness is tested by seduction in the world. And all around us, there is seduction. The love of money the lust of the world, pleasures and possessions and things in this world. It's the nature of the world that's drawing you and I and we as believers don't even realize the seduction of the world. We're in the world. We wanna be like the world. We have a citizenship of this world and we say we're a part of his world and yet we don't realize we're being seduced by the culture of this world. Reality is a Christ follower. We've got to embrace a new way of living. What have we been talking about? We've been talking about a new way of living. I die to self. That's a new way of living. The world says live for yourself. But the kingdom of God says, no, you die to yourself so that Christ can live the hope of glory. Oh, my goodness. I die to self. A new way of living is that it's not about my position or my power or the prestigeness of this life or how many followers I have. No, it's about serving and living as an instrument and a vessel for the Lord and being used by him to build his kingdom and his glory. Can I get an agreement? a new way of living. A new way of living is not get, get, get. No, a new way of living is I give. I gain by giving. Therefore, I learn to live open-handed. I learn to be one of of compassion. I learn to be one that's generous. I live open-handedly. And as I do, I'm being established. And I'm building faithfulness and that faithfulness. Are you getting this this morning? I feel like I'm preaching for me, but I hope, I'm hope hoping you're getting into my practice right here. Is as I'm faithful, all oh, my faithfulness is tested over and over and over again. Why is it tested? It's because I'm living in a world that has this, a system. I'm living in a world that's seductive. I'm I'm living in a world that's deceptive. And man, if I'm not on guard, if I let my guard down even a little bit, I find that I give in to the things of the world. But my faithfulness enables me to follow. So the question of aligning to God's will is what's being tested is there, is there something in my faithfulness that's not coming forth so I can walk in the will of God? The last and final thought. Now, let me say that you can't get to test number five if you haven't said yes to the other four. So let me say it again. You can't get to test number five if you haven't said yes to the first four. Let me say it again, I want you to get it. I can't practice this test if I haven't said yes to the first four, you got it? Because many are living by the last test as the first test and the last test has gotta be the last test. And the last test is this, do you have a peace about it? You see, for many, they think it, they feel it. I've got a piece about it, and they're going to do it. But it's not making them Christ-like. Their their faithfulness is nowhere seen in the the body of Christ. Man, if you got with somebody, they would say, what are you doing? You're ruining your life. Can I fast forward the decision you're making right now? That 10 years from now, let me tell you what it's going to look like. How do I know? I've watched others take the road you're watching. I've watched others make the decisions that you're making. No, 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 don't do it. Be be cautious right here. Submit a little bit more. Begin to see what is it that God will want fast on it. Give Give yourself 30 days. There's some of you in this room, right? and it's in this section right here. You're in a relationship that you probably need to fast that relationship for the next 30 days to surrender it to God. Because the moment you begin fasting that relationship, there's gonna be some revelation. I'm not saying God's gonna close it up or or end it, but there's some things that are gonna happen. Man, you get into that place where God begins to give you a peace. What I love about GPS now is if I miss a turn, it helps me turn around, redirect, guide me a piece 1st Corinthians 1st Corinthians chapter 14 verse 33 God is not the author of confusion by the way if you have to make a pressured stress you know just a stressed overwhelmed decision you got to make a quick decision it's probably not God God is not one of confusion He's a God of patience. If you've got to make a quick decision that you've not prepared for in any way, it's probably not God. Colossians 3.15, let the peace of God rule, underline it, circle it, your heart. Your heart is your soul, your mind, your will, your emotions. A new way of living. Can I hear amen? Father, we surrender to you. We yield to you. Father, today, our heart and our desire and the people of God will agree with this, I believe. Our heart and our desire is to be aligned to your will. My thoughts, my emotions, my will that's been submitted will lead me into the will of God. I pray, God, that I will remember these tests, that I will apply your word, that, Father, I will be determined that whatever I do is driving me to be more like you. All I want is Jesus, to be Christ-like, that, Lord, on major decisions in my life, I'll seek counsel from the body of Christ. I will persevere and push through and be faithful in my follow. And Lord, I will let then your peace guide my heart. The word of God may not restrict it. The body of Christ may not discourage it. It may not make me ungodly or be unrighteous, but God, I may not have a peace about it. Let the peace of God rule my heart.